Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What the hell is the name of this thing? Is this Wayne's World? The award-winning Evan Grant. I can't even count anymore on my fingers and toes. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, crown number one. Barry Horn. Right. He tried to get me in mid-chew. Yes, I Evan, did try to get Barry in mid-chew, but be, be more you lively. chew so slow. Be more lively. Come on, didn't you learn anything from Brad Cham? Brad Sham, the voice of Upon Further Review. I wouldn't say he was the voice. He's the voice of the introduction. He's our Don Pardo. Yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure he'll be happy to hear that. Yeah. Welcome to Upon Further Review, which is Upon Further Review, at least until further notice, where our challenges are always better than Jason Garrett's. I'm Evan Grant. Kevin Sherrington. I don't know what you're talking about. And who? But who are you? But we, And we have the great... Eyes dilated, David Moore on the phone. David, are you done at the eye doctor? Done at the eye doctor. And, and I will say, since I have just come from the eye doctor, it's, it's very clear to me there are some similarities between Don Pardo and Brad Sham. <laughs> what <Yeah>. are those? <laughs> well, uh, let's just say my eyes are wide open to that now. And I, I, I can see some similarities. Here's what I want to ask you, David, because you're at the eye doctor, and in, 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 the, in the words of Jackson Brown, uh, did you say, Doctor, my eyes, I have witnessed this horrible thing all season long, and I had to go in and get my eyes fixed? <laughs> yeah, can, can you do something? I'm seeing too clearly. Can you do something to cloud my vision for these final five games? I keep having these visions flash before me of, of this guy falling on the ground with a broken clavicle over and over again. Have you seen it twice? It's a loop. It's on an endless loop. Do you, do, do you see a postseason for the Dallas Cowboys? <laughs> in, well, in the franchise future? Yes, no, in, in 2015. In 2015, no. We're really, no asked, we're really leading with future. that question. There, there are people none. out there who are, are saying, oh, the Giants lost. The, the Cowboys are still, what, two games out. I, it, am, I, I understand all this, and, and while mathematics bears that out, I will say that reality does not. And very soon, reality is going to catch up with the math, and this team will be eliminated. I think, to me, the, the deal is, is, even if you make the playoffs, so what? If you go in as a 7-9 and nine team, an 8-8 eight and eight team, without Tony Romo, you're going to get blitzed in that first round. And what fun is that? I just, you know, if, if I'm a Cowboys fan, I'd rather they went 5-11 and 11 and got a top-five pick. Now, again, I, I think they should do everything they can uh, to, to try to win these final five games. But that being said, you're exactly right. This isn't, you know, people go, well, look at Carolina last year. They got in and actually won a game. Well, they won a game because they got Cam Newton, who missed a game, back, and they were at full health, and they played an Arizona team that was without Carson Palmer, who was an outstanding team, but when they lost him was a much different team. How good can any Cowboy fan feel say you do make the playoffs, and I hate to even bring this up and feed into people's delusions, but let's say they do make the playoffs. 
How good do you feel going into the playoffs with Matt Castle as your quarterback? Anything can happen uh, in the playoffs. No, 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 compromise. No, 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 it can't. They not, make the no, playoffs. A compromise, Des Bryant. Uh, I, it's just not. It's not feasible to expect them to make any sort of challenge whatsoever. How compromised they make the, is they Des make Bryant? the playoffs after this year and Jerry and Jason and a very large percentage of Cowboy fans will not care that they got beaten 34 to nothing in in a home game or whatever it is, they will say, look at the adversity we overcame to win the division. No, I disagree with that. I think you go in and get get blown out. That's what the problem always is in making the playoffs. Everybody is pointed towards that, and that's what you want to do. But look at teams that even get to the Super Bowl, you know, and, and, and lose. You know, when, when Buffalo lost four Super Bowls in a row, did everybody say, yeah, it was still a great season? No, they always say, yeah, you lost four times in a row. And, and that was that was about the stupidest – that was about the stupidest argument I ever heard in, in, in pro sports. Because that team went in, went year in and year out to the final game of the season, and people refused to realize how difficult it is to win championships. They did, but that's but, that's but the, people the bills. Are. The bills thing aside, I'm going to tell you that I that as of today, I on Thursday the Cowboys were were eliminated. Today I'm I'm considering that's that the they Thanksgiving have loss. Let's a better. <laughs> they're still alive until Monday. David, David, how compromised is Daz Bryant? Well, I think you've seen it. He's been back five games now. He's had four games of 45 yards or less receiving in the five games he's been back. That happened only three times all of last season. Happened only five times the season before that. Uh, this is clearly not the Pro Bowl receiver of the last two years. Uh, the player who is who has caught for 12, more than 1,200 yards and at least 12 touchdowns in each of the last three seasons, more, more than any other wideout in the, in the league over that span. Um, he's just you're, – you're, there are flashes of it. I, I think there will probably be a game, uh, possibly an entire game, where he's dominant over these final five. But to expect him to sustain it over these final five games, I, I think now his, his body feels different. Uh, he's having to adjust to not being uh, a dominant force out there. And how are you still effective when you're not dominant? Is that, I think he needs to stay on the field to work through all of that. Is that is more it, of his foot than, than something else? Is there something else besides the foot? Well, it's the knee now, too. Uh, he, he did hurt the knee. And, and right. the one really good game he had against Philadelphia when he went up and made that spectacular right. touchdown grab, uh, he hurt his knee. And the, the knee's been bothering. But, but anyone who comes back from a significant injury – like he had the broken fifth metatarsal. It's not unusual that your body is going to hurt in some other area as you adjust uh, to coming back from that injury. In this case, it's the knee on the same foot that was broken. So uh, he's dealing with that. Um, He's dealt with injuries before. He's a tough guy. But this is something he's never had really in his NFL career where he cannot go out and physically dominate his opponent. He's going to have to win matchups with the precision of his route, uh, with the timing of his route, with uh, maybe putting his body in a little bit different position because he can't jump as high or physically it's just not as strong pushing off. So these are things that can help him in the long run, but clearly he is not the dominant player he is now. I mean, okay, look, he's, he's, go back to the Tampa Bay game. He, he's not dominant, Moore, David. A corner. He didn't even, you know, that Dallas didn't want was able to shut him down one-on-one. He, he's not dominant, David, but let me ask you a question. He's been back, what, five games, correct? 
Five games, yeah. Five games. He's had Romo for one game and three quarters of that one of another, half. correct? Yeah. Uh-huh. How much have the Cowboys actually tried to feature him with the with Castle as the quarterback? How much of it well, is due to the fact that the Cowboys continue to play extremely conservative without Tony Romo in the lineup? Well, you look at this too, though. Since Dez has been back, uh, which takes in Castle and and uh, the the quarter, you know, game and a half with Romo, I believe he has 18 receptions in these five games. The more telling figure to me is he's been targeted, I think, 45 or 46 times. So they're throwing to him, but he's unable to come up with the catch. You know, the other day when he had three receptions, I think he had 12 targets. Uh, This percentage is very low for him. Uh, You're seeing him drop passes. Uh, He's dropping passes he hasn't in the past. Uh, He's not able to get to some balls he's been able to get in the past. Now, a lot of this Castle, him and Castle clearly don't have any sort of rapport uh, because when Castle was signed, uh, you know, Dez was in the rehab, was in rehab and on the training table trying to get his foot right. Uh, Castle has only thrown to him probably two full weeks in his entire career, and that was limited because Dez has been limited since he's come back dealing with the foot and the, and the knee issue. So... You're not going to see a great rapport there, but he is. if you're a dominant receiver in this league, you find ways to get open and get the ball, even if you're not right physically. And, and I think and that's the key. this is what Des is going to have to show. That's the key with Des, too. Is he, even when he's healthy, you know, he doesn't get a lot of separation. He's not running away from people. You know, basically, Tony has always thrown the ball to him, and he goes up and gets it. You know, yeah. because he's, he's physically better in a matchup. But it's not – I think you bring up a great point when you say that he doesn't run great routes. He doesn't – he's not a precision kind of route runner. He's not going to do those kinds of things. So he's had to rely on his physical ability to – in a one-on-one matchup with a guy to win that matchup just because he's going to overpower the, the, the defensive back. And so he's not able to, to do that. And I think that, that with Dez, what we're seeing, too, on the field – is the uh, is what that's the frustration that's causing him? He's having a difficult time dealing with that, and I think that's what we're seeing a lot on the field as well. When to me, the one of the most stunning plays of the year last year on the interception, and he's turning and he's jawing with a defensive back while the guy's running down the field with that was the ball. A couple of weeks ago, not last. A couple year. weeks ago, right? Uh, but no, it was last week. No, and then it was it was uh, he was he was uh, jawing with Norman. With, with right, and another one. Yeah, and another one last week. Yeah, and, and that and that is what is Jason Garrett always said about. Uh, Des Bryant before and everyone else in the Cowboys organization is another thing that makes him separates him as a receiver is even if he's unable to make the catch he makes sure that the defender doesn't get the interception because he goes up and knocks it down you haven't seen that either and that's because physically he's just not right and you know I understand his frustration because here's a guy that he came back about as quickly as you can from that sort of injury and He's clearly not right, so he came comes back as quickly as he can, and now he's not himself. But, again, it's not just enough to come back. You have to come back and help your team find a way to win. If you're not right physically, you have to still find another way to be effective. And I do think, in the long run, this is going to help Des and make him an even better receiver. I doubt if he looks at it that way at the moment, and I doubt if that frustration – is, who, uh, who, who, will he, who will he be catching passes from going forward? Matt Castle. Not after okay, this so year. After, if the Cowboys lose at Washington this week, 
He's going to continue to to catch passes from Matt Castle. They're not going to look at Kellen Moore. If they lose at Washington, they are still mathematically alive. <laughs> You're I the one who told until, us to forget I about it. I believe until there's no – hey, I'm not running the team. <laughs> it's you easy for be. me to say forget about it. But I think uh, if they were 1-15. they Castle out there. I, I think you will see Kellen Moore once they, once they are mathematically eliminated. I think that is when the discussion of should we play – Let's get Kellen Moore in there and see if he has anything. I think that's when you're going to see that conversation take place at Valley Ranch, not before. In, inside Re- Valley Ranch, where, where you're embedded. Inside like Valley Ranch. Inside, where you're embedded. What's the feeling about, about Moore? Not David Moore. Kellen Moore. <laughs> well, yeah, these are two different things. They, they think highly of one Moore. They, they do like Kellen Moore. But, but this is a, okay, th- this is Scott Linehan's strong endorsement of Kellen Moore and says, you know what? I work with this guy in Detroit. I think there's something there. Let's bring him in here. Um, and, and let's see what happens. I don't know that anyone else at Valley Ranch has, has bought in and would lobby for him, but they have enough confidence and faith in Scott Linehan and he's, he's the offensive coordinator. So if your offensive coordinator is lobbying for somebody, you go and you don't have anyone else in the queue. You say, Okay, sure, uh, because it's not going to work otherwise. So, um, you know, he's going to be active this week, probably, I guess, for the first time in his career. I, I think you're going to see him before the season is over. And I think it's, it, again, it's going to be Scott Linehan saying, this guy has got a little something. He's been in this league long enough. Let's give him an opportunity here and see what he can do. But, again, I don't believe that's going to come until the final two games, if then. All right, David, since the Cowboys refuse to live in reality, we're going to do that uh, ourselves. Let's say this team ends up 5-11, uh, and 11, and they end up with a top-five pick. Uh, if it comes down to the quarterback from Cal uh, or a quarterback of that stature, somebody who's really highly regarded, do you think the Cowboys would use their first-round pick on a quarterback? Not in the first round, no. Not this year. Not with the owner believing that – um, I know Jerry says he, he gets another four to five years out of Romo. I think that is more the salesman in Jerry than the realist in Jerry. That's also, he, yes, that's also more not the, dealing with reality. Or the lunacy. Yeah, and it's also, look, and you can say all of this publicly, look how Tony Romo's contract is structured. Really, he has two more years here as far as the current contract. Now, it goes beyond that, but then it's all base salary. And cutting him, there's no cap hit going forward. It's just what you're paying in that year, basically. How uh, old very is Romo this year, 36? He'll be 36 next year. 36 yeah. Next year. So, so no, no quarterback then coming in this draft. Uh, and, I, and I'm not saying – I'll be the first to say, look. Uh, I believe they will take a quarterback. I just don't believe it will be in the first round. I think the fact they take one would be a, a, a huge plus. I mean, because, obviously, as we know, you find a quarterback anywhere. Of course, part of the problem is they think they could find a free agent quarterback. They got the last one as a free agent. Uh, but as long as they identify somebody as a quarterback out there that they want to develop and they, and they give up this stupid idea that, oh, if we develop them, we're just developing them for somebody else, uh, which is just ludicrous to take that attitude. Is that more Jason Garrett or is that more Jerry Jones? Well, that's been more Jerry. And, and you know, the, you know I, I hate to keep bringing everything back to Johnny Manziel, but I guess everything comes back to Johnny Manziel. Pretty much. You know, two years ago, uh, the, 
Jerry was the only one who wanted Manziel in the room. And everyone else's argument was, look, we're not even sure he's going to be a great NFL or, or an effective NFL quarterback. Well, let's take that off the table for a moment. Let's say he can be a starting quarterback in the NFL. At that point, you really did believe and, and you were planning as far as Tony Romo having another four to five years. So then you're bringing in somebody who, okay, look, uh, the moment Romo goes down or, the, or whenever Romo goes through two bad games in a row, the outcry to have Johnny Manziel come in is going to be something that can potentially fracture your team and you never get away from. It's okay. always going okay. to let be me, there. Let me, let me ask you this, David, let me ask you this. Is Johnny Manziel now in the future of this team? The future of this team? It's hard to envision that. I would argue if you want the future of this team, wouldn't it be RG3 over Johnny Manziel? I, Not I, if Jerry has any say about it, will it? You know, I think I think both of these guys are in play going forward. And, and, and here's another thing. Jerry wants to get a young guy in and develop him. But does that mean he wants that young guy to go into a game next year if Romo goes down in week 13 and you have to rely on your backup in week 13 and 14 to get into the playoffs? No, he's still going to want a – if not Matt Castle, a veteran quarterback who they feel is capable of stepping in and winning games right away, not a rookie who you're developing for two to three years down the road to take over and get you into the playoffs at a crucial moment. So really you're looking at three quarterbacks going forward, much like they did several years ago when they were hoping to develop Stephen McGee and it didn't work out. Yeah, I don't see the problem with having three quarterbacks because, you know, I understand what you're saying and I believe that's true. When, when a, if, if it's a rookie, I, I don't want to throw a rookie in in the middle of the season either. I'd like to have that uh, you know, a guy like Matt Castle. I think if they could bring Matt Castle back next year as the backup quarterback and, and draft or develop a young quarterback after that, I think that's a perfectly good plan. But then what's your situation if Tony gets hurt in game five or six next year? Well, it's the same thing. You're screwed. You lose your starting quarterback in the NFL, pretty much you're screwed. I'll tell that well, to the Denver Broncos. If, if you if you get a guy, if he's going to be out for one or two games, that's one thing. All right, but the Denver Broncos use the second-round pick on a quarterback. Right. Sure. And then what you do in that scenario next year, say it's Matt Castle, and we're not sure it's Matt Castle, but we're going to know after these five games. Matt Castle can play his way back onto this team next year or they're going to look for another veteran quarterback. That's going to be very clear over these next five games. Well, you know Matt but, Schaub but authored that last-minute win last night. Exactly. exactly. Oh, it, wasn't, it wasn't Matt Schaub exactly. <laughs> Let's give him a little more credit than maybe he actually deserved in the decisive play. But uh, it, next year what you have, if you have a similar situation where Romo goes down in the first two to five weeks of the season, is going to be out for a prolonged period. You're going to go to your veteran backup. If your veteran backup loses two or three games and they're not competitive and you don't like what they're doing, then you're going to say, okay, you know, this may be a little premature, but we're going to go with our rookie and see what he can do. It can't be worse. So that's what you're going to – that's how that situation is going to play out. And to go back to Manziel real quickly, I think there are – I think Manziel is the exception in that his persona and his following is so great, you're creating a situation with him sitting on the bench that you don't necessarily have with a lot of other college quarterbacks coming in. Johnny Manziel was a completely different animal to have sitting on the bench behind Tony Romo versus uh, 
one of these guys you're going to bring in this year. Of course, what you're, what we're not talking about at all here is the fact that not only do you have that following, you have uh, Johnny's baggage to go with that. Yes. With RG3, you know, there's a little bit of baggage there. There were, there were questions about, you know, how much of a leader is he, you know, is he throwing guys under the bus? But with Johnny Manziel, you've got real issues about, as to whether, what this guy's judgment's going to be. And, and, and frankly, you know, as far as uh, a little bit of a sympathetic character here, you know, can he deal with his issues? Can he, can he deal with his problems in, in rehab? And could there be a worse place for him to try and deal with overcoming those issues than on, you and, know, an right iconic franchise? Yeah. An iconic franchise with Uptown looming, and uh, and and you're right, you know that. And the Cowboys certainly don't take on any player with baggage. So I don't no, that no, happens. not at all. I think they ought to just go ahead and bring him in. What? Just open up the <laughs> gates. It, you know, he's, he's creating Johnny a Man, zoo Johnny Manziel could get in trouble in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. He could. He, there's no question about that. Well, but if look, he can get in trouble as much as he has in Cleveland, there's no doubt. But the, the Browns aren't going to cut him before the end of the year, so you're not going to see him this year, and. You know, I think the Browns feel like if if they want to get rid of him, the Cowboys will send them a draft pick for Johnny Manziel. Well, you know, John Gruden likes him, still likes him, still thinks that the Browns would be making a mistake if they got rid of him. John, John Gruden's crazy, though, too. <laughs> no, but John Gruden didn't like Colt McCoy. I remember last year he doesn't like Colt McCoy. And is Colt McCoy playing now? No, no but— but but Cole had but anyway. All right, David. So let's let's get back to again. Let's let's bring everything back to reality. So the Cowboys are five and eleven, or they are four and twelve at the end of the season, um, and they've run Kellen Moore out there for the last two games to see whatever that does, and and so forth and so on. And they do have a top five draft pick, and we've already you've already discerned that they're not going to use it on a quarterback. Where do they go? What do they use it on? I am not up on the draft at the moment, but if there is a running back at that position that makes sense, you would do that. Um, Certainly, you look at the top defensive linemen in this league, I would say the pass rush has not been what they had thought it would be this year. Wait, I thought Greg Hardy was going to solve all that. Randy Gregory? Uh, yeah, you would have thought he would have had uh, more of an impact than what he's had at this point. Is he going you backwards? Actually noticed him. You actually noticed him for the first time, I think, on Thanksgiving Day, for the first time since the opener. Uh, we'll, we'll see how he's able to play it out from here. I, I will say uh, a high ankle sprain for a speed-rushing defensive end is about as bad of an injury as you can have uh, because that explosive burst on that first step. Uh, I think he got so far behind, and then when he got in there, uh, he was only getting eight to nine snaps a game when he got back in, and he wasn't making anything of those opportunities. So they said, hey, well, David Irving is. You're not, so we're going to go with David Irving. So he's kind of been the odd man out to this point. But he's another player you need to see over these last five games uh, give you something. So is Greg Hardy going backwards? Greg Hardy? Yep. Um. He has not been as effective of a player these last three games as he was the first three back. Um, He is getting, I will say, he is consistently being double teamed and no one else around him is stepping up to get enough pressure on the quarterback to relieve any of that pressure on him. But I would say, yes, he's taken a step back since uh, since his first two to three games here. Has the offensive line taken a step back this season? I think, I think everyone 
probably rated them ahead of where they actually were last year because I thought they were they were erratic last year and inconsistent. They had some dominant games, but they had some other games that they weren't that good, but Dallas was able to win, so it didn't linger. The perception of them uh, playing poorly didn't linger as long as it does now. I think that this line has been even more inconsistent than it was last year. I think in part because Lyle Collins, while he can be dominant, and there have been games where I thought he was the best player in the offensive line, there have been other games where he's clearly been the worst player on the offensive line. Uh, this The Thanksgiving Day game, he graded out very poorly. Uh, the game before that in Miami, he graded out, he was outstanding. So I think his inconsistency uh, is is a, a part of where this offensive line is right now. All right, David, we are uh, we are going to let you go for this week. You've you've aced the test once again. Um, and, go home uh, and rest your eyes. Yes. Go. Uh, did you get a <laughs> pair of the uh, the really cool sunglasses? <laughs> like those eighty five year old <laughs> man sunglasses. Wear the whole time. Yeah. Wear them around constantly. Yeah, that's that is are, a good look. It is. Can you take them out to Valley Ranch for the remainder of the week? <laughs> I, I I do need something to shield my eyes when I'm at Valley Ranch. Yeah. Oh, but I'm bum. Very good. Thanks Dr. so much Mike. for being with us. David. Thank you. We really appreciate it. No, no. Thanks to three of you for giving me this opportunity. Well, that's that's what we're all about. We're, yeah, we are. We're about giving opportunities to young, to young, up and coming journalists. Goodbye, David. Hey, hey, let me know where you have lunch. Sounds like an intriguing spot. Hey, I want to hear about hey, it. Where are we having lunch today, Evan? Tell us. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. We're having barbecue. Oh, I, I asked Evan, "Can we have something light?" And Evan goes, "Barbecue." Light. He, yeah, he has to we say, know your definition of light. Yeah, last different than everyone else's definition. Last week, light. his light was a, a cheeseburger. That I've was Barry's had, light. Yeah, I've never had light. a cheeseburger in my life. Let's let's get that straight. It's not kosher. <laughs> All right. Goodbye. <laughs> Thanks, David, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care, Bye. Dave. Hey, hey, Kevin. Yes. Um, I agree with David that if there's a running back available in the top five, that that's where the Cowboys ought to go. Now, do we think that Derrick Henry will come out this year? I think it's a good possibility. And I don't think, uh, you know, because Leonard Fournette's just going to be a sophomore. So. Okay, so, but Ezekiel Elliott will come out. He'll come out. But Ezekiel he's, Elliott. He's told yeah. everybody that. Yeah, yeah he's told him. He, Pretty much, yeah. So are those going to be the top two running backs in the draft, do you think? Yeah, probably so. And, you know, some guy always comes up, he tests well. And, do, and so they're. Do one of those two excite you? Yeah, well, Henry does. You know, Not personally, but. <laughs> yeah. I will say, after watching Henry and Fournette uh, both uh, last weekend, uh, Henry's a, more of a of a pounder to me. A guy, Henry's Eddie Lacy two point yes? yeah, yeah, pretty much. Not, I, which for, wouldn't be bad. Fournette's Fournette looks more to me a little more like an, uh, an Adrian Peterson. He's he's quicker, but Fournette's not going to come out. He's not. He's not. But I'm just saying, if you're if you're and when we're because I got a Heisman vote, and and uh, who are you and, voting for? I can't, I can't tell you that. What? Oh, you're not allowed. It's, it's top secret. Give uh, us a hint. No. Uh, maybe I'm talking about him now. No, I don't know. I, don't, I think that Fournette's really he, – he's he's a dynamic running back. I think Henry is a guy who just who pounds you to death. Well, there's nothing the matter with that. You know, that, Elliot's a similar type guy, right? a, a pounding guy. He's, well, he's got a little more – he's a little quicker too, I think. But, um, but listen, you should never box yourself in a corner. When you got the top five pick, you take the best guy. They can use the best guy anywhere, right? But, but, but here's what will happen. Yes. They'll trade down. 
You think? I don't know. I, th- I think if there's a paying attention. Well, I know. I, 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 yeah, I do think Jerry Jerry fears the first round bust. I think that's one of the reasons they haven't spent a high draft pick on a quarterback. I think he fears the first round bust. He looks around the league. Well, the spotlight is so great if you take a quarterback in the first round. Right. The, well, now, now listen, got to be a franchise a, quarterback. I, I don't. I don't think that's right. I, I think that it's just what Jerry told Stephen when Stevens came to him and said, "We got to take Zach Martin. We can't take Johnny Manziel." And Stephen and Jerry told Stephen, "Okay, we'll do that, but you have to remember, you're only going to be great if you take these kind of chances, right? You know, and, and that's and that's the way he thinks." Brandon so, Whedon was the first round pick, wasn't it? But yes, he was. but that was the Cowboys were picking where sixteen. Yeah, I think sixteen. Okay, we're talking about top five. I, I don't think Jerry's afraid of that pick. I think that Jerry's problem with taking a quarterback is is that if I take a top five quarterback, he's gonna he has to be Troy Aikman. Right. right. He has to play right away. I'm not gonna take a top five pick and put him on the bench. I've just spent all this money on a guy who's not gonna play. But if that's a smart move, but he <laughs> that's two different things. But okay? I thought Jerry's not in charge of the draft. But anymore. then you're well, making you're also making my point for me because he's he's fearing taking that pick and putting him on the bench. Even if long term, that's a development. I, l- let's just go back to Aaron Rodgers for a minute. You know, he did kind of sit on the bench for a little well, while. Well, we should have asked David this question, but I think Jerry's window of opportunity is decreasing and decreasing, and he doesn't want to take somebody right. who, who will help five years. From I, I believe right. that's right. I, Who's going to push the window out not, further? Not, before. Well, but but uh, he's he's not sure about his own. Aaron Rodgers. I, listen, I don't have a problem with the guy sitting on the bench as a quarterback. I, I think that's fine. Now, the five year deal that doesn't happen anymore. You know, you, no, you, no, you no, draft no, no, no. You, if he sits for two years, that's plenty, and I think that's fine. But, you know, we're going off of one game now with Osweiler, but Osweiler sat on the bench. That's what we do. Huh? That's what but he we sat do. on the bench for a year, right? Yeah. yeah he yeah. sat on the bench for a year and a half watching Peyton. Right. You you can't I, I don't agree with the unless you're unless you're Tampa Bay and you have absolutely nothing to lose, I do think you end up sacrificing a little bit of that quarterback's livelihood long term by throwing Jameis out there. But certainly those type of quarterbacks you, you can throw out there and let them learn more more quickly. Well, he was advanced too, though. Now he that was the thing everybody talked about him coming out of college that he had such a great grasp uh, of of the game, you know. And so mentally he was prepared for that. And but we saw the first five games of the year, first six he's, games of the year, struggled. he was awful. He has made significant progress. Absolutely, but they, they knew he could do that. They knew he could handle that. They knew that if I come out and I play poorly, I'm still going to be okay. And but Tennessee there's a went with Mariota. There's a difference of yeah. playing quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. Or playing quarterback, you know, in some place in Florida, Tampa Bay, or, right. or even in Jackson, or playing quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. There's, there's the spotlight. You'll have to admit is is much. Well, I, more I do think I do think in some regards, Jerry looks at Roger Staubach, Troy Aikman, even Danny White. I mean, you're looking at guys all who had Don Meredith, you know, eight Craig ten Morton. year careers as the football. as the starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. And he's not willing to say, okay, we may have a guy for two or three years, or we may have a guy for three or four years. He's looking at it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hand off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. 